Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today, we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso's coming back. We knew it was coming back, but now we have a teaser trailer and a date. Some Falcon and Winter Soldier news, Ben, that you broke. You broke that news, right? Broke it right over your head uh, just for you. I wanted you to have it. I was like christening a ship and and the news was in a bottle and you were the ship and I broke it and somehow that metaphor works. Just go with me. It's all for Leo. And then finally, we'll talk uh, Mayor of Easttown, Ben's new obsession, uh, something that I think Ben and Libby have seen all of no. and I've seen one of. We've still got two hours left, like two full hours that we haven't seen. They will not give us. They will not give us hints. They have that lockdown. So no matter how many times I ask who did it, you guys don't know. We don't. No. I've asked asked Casey Boyce directly for access to these episodes, and he said he would give them to me, and they have not shown up, so I'm calling him out on this podcast. Where are these episodes? This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Keeping ahead of the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Uh, we mentioned up up top, but today, earlier today, uh, the teaser trailer for Ted Lasso Season 2, uh, Apple TV Plus dropped it. Uh, this also goes along with uh, the announcement of the premiere date, which is looking it up, looking it July up. July 23rd. July 23rd, Libby on it. I didn't do any research. Um, but uh, are you excited, Ben? I'm excited. I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know about this song choice for Queen, but uh, I am excited about about the, the second season. It's a little it, obvious, but... It took everything I had not to immediately start rewatching Ted Lasso. <laughs> Like as soon as the trailer ended, mainly because I got the I, I I this happens every once in a while when a show you know it's it takes its hiatus and comes back for a new season and the characters look just a little bit of a little bit different, um, but they felt so markedly like upgraded like every one of them yeah. got a twenty percent bonus for their personal upkeep you know wardrobe you know hygiene tanning vacations whatever it was like everybody looks just a bit better compared to what they did in season one uh and it had been a while since i'd felt that way and i think it stems mainly from the fact that i watched season one so many times but i mean i think um what really grasped me from that uh teaser and and i'm not the biggest ted lasso fan just because that's such a hard uh, high bar to like pass uh, i really enjoy the show um i'm a fan but one thing i liked is like there was a lot of non-lasso footage in there and while yeah ted's my favorite dude like this really looks like it's turning into sort of a traditional bill lawrence ensemble show which um i'm not mad about because i that's where you're getting the different stories the different experiences the different povs outside of you know midwestern white guy and um that's where i'm really 
that's that's what I'm really excited to see them explore. Um, so yeah, that was very promising for me. Also, it looks like there's gonna be way more action on the pitch, and their new and their new away kits look stellar. They look stellar. Kits. So this I also soccer know term? soccer terms. That's how that's how they that's how they refer to uh, uniforms in the oh in my. the UK. It's not sweaters. Playing. Footy. No, it's a kit. It's your kit. But yeah, Leo. I think we all thought immediately of you at that one during that one moment during the teaser. It's the um, but it's the button to the trailer. I thought it's the last joke. Had to uh, just slip that in there before the draft. Just got to get a get a New York Jets. I like that all 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 the things I enjoy in the comedy world, however sparse they are, all slam on the Jets constantly. Uh, Seth Meyers does it weekly. Jets and Mets. I mean, it's evergreen comedy. What, what else rhyme. can you go for? Ben, the news you broke just yesterday uh, after talking to Nate Moore um, of Falcon, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that it will not be running in the limited series category at this year's Emmys alongside WandaVision, but instead in the drama race. Uh, obviously, the first question we all asked was uh, season two, right? Isn't that isn't that required? <laughs> isn't that a requirement for uh, an entry into the into the drama race as opposed to limited series? Um, what what answer did you get, or, or what, how can you explain that? <laughs> well, the answer I got was a, a non-committal promise of intent. I think is how I would best describe it. Um, they definitely weren't ready to you know say that season two has been greenlit or in production the term they've used before uh, in general when talking about making second seasons of of marvel disney plus shows uh that they're kicking around ideas they've kicked around ideas they always hope to be able to make more seasons with with specific shows um they use that you know now directly about falcon of the winter soldier um definitely from the way that that mr moore discussed it it seemed like there was much more than ideas being kicked around and there was uh there was at least you know upward trajectory in terms of of the possibilities um but yeah like this whole thing sent me spiraling in the sense that i had to go back and look at the rule book for the emmys and be like how do they actually define a drama series and there's nothing about season twos or threes or anything like that it's just i don't even think they use the word ongoing when they're talking about uh, what a what a drama series is supposed to be. It's just it's but the just la- there a, is language in the limited series, right? In limited so, series, there's that the yes. language that no ongoing storyline and or main characters in subsequent seasons. So I just checked my notes, and yes, uh, it says their drama series are supposed to be series in which the ongoing theme, storyline, and main characters are presented under the same title and have continuity of production supervis- supervision. Uh, that is the drama series definition uh limited series is a program with two or more episodes with a total running time of at least 150 program minutes that tells a complete non-recurring story and does not have any ongoing storyline and or main characters in subsequent seasons so that one seems a little more nailed down considering they've had to over recent years make those specific adjustments in lieu of big little lies uh but i turn it over to libby who knows much more about this part of the conversation than i do uh i am just so thrilled for leo that there's a at least a possibility of getting more of his bucky and and the falcon buddy my, bro bu- my beloved bucky and sam i just want I, now that they're fully formed it feels like it feels like the series is really ready to take off finally and give me the buddy cop uh action drama i want it just took five episodes when are you starting your story leo <laughs> 
When are uh, you starting your story? Episode five. Yeah, apparently that's uh, that's kind of the the mo here. Not to start my my part in this um, by raining on anyone's parade, but when Ben was talking about intent and you know discussions happening about theoretical season twos of Falcon Winter Soldier, I'm reminded of my favorite Simpsons quote, which is actually from season eleven. It's shockingly late, uh, theoretically in the run, and uh, it's at a newspaper. I believe, and and someone tells Lisa, oh, well, um, a portion of every newspaper is made from recycled material. And she's like, oh, what percent? And uh, the woman says zero. And then there's a beat and she says, zero's a percent. Um, That's how I feel when I hear about Disney talking about season two of Falcon and Winter Soldier in that, uh, you know, Someone said the words, what if we made a, a season two of Falcon and Winter Soldier? And then uh, and then they popped it in drama series. <laughs> but that's the thing about the Emmys. Um, if you'll remember, and maybe you don't because people have lives, but uh, there was a lot of controversy back in the day over Orange is the New Black. It was, it was getting um, shunted from comedy series to drama series. It was back when the Academy was really struggling with what to do with um, a comedy that was an hour long, like obviously pre-Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's uh, Reign of Terror. But, um, you know, it would get shunted back between because it's very difficult, especially in these days of dramedy, to, to kind of... Um, uh, explain that to 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 put hard and fast rules as to what is a comedy what is a drama especially if you aren't letting shows determine their own fate or if you were reserving the right to overrule those those decisions um so in that way it made sense that they were trying to adhere to to sort of time half hour shows go here hour long shows go here but obviously those lines got muddy. That's where I think we're at right now with Disney trying to push Falcon and Winter Soldier into drama series. We don't have hard and fast descriptions for what a drama series is. Obviously, you can't limit it to say something that has a second season, something that's going to have a second season, because in the history of the Emmys, there have been plenty of shows that have been canceled after one series, still nominated for for the series award. Like, those aren't limitations you can make, but then we end up in this situation where it's it's the reverse Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies in its first season ran as a limited series, even though we all knew, and there were there was there was rumbles at the time that they were coming back for a second season. Still ran limited series, very successful there, immediately came back for a second season. They put things in place to try and avoid that. I, I still think people could technically pull that scheme if they wanted to. Um, but now it feels like Disney is trying to do, trying to reverse that in doing, oh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have a second season, maybe, but I'm not entirely convinced that there's anything different uh, substantially between WandaVision and between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, because in a larger sense, aren't all Marvel um, aren't all Marvel series part of an ongoing story? Like won't isn't the likelihood that well we'll definitely see more of Wanda in um 
films to come, but there's every chance she shows up in a in another Marvel series to come. And like, how do you quantify that? I think we're looking at in the next five years, getting another revamping of the Academy rules that that have to sort of stumble into the 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 uncomfortable game of 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 trying to quantify things that are at heart unquantifiable. I'll play uh, a little devil's advocate, even though you know that I have always been uh, the defender of Marvel on this podcast, the defender of Disney in, in life. Um, so it fits me very well to, to play this part. Um, but these were questions that were that were addressed by Mr. Moore in that his framing of the difference between WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that they cannot go back to the start of WandaVision. Uh, they cannot recreate the scenario in which WandaVision is told. They cannot. They can continue that story with Wanda later on, but in his mind and in a in a reasonable framework, it would just be a different series. It would be a different show. And the one thing that I'd say that worked to Big Little Lies' advantage when it was doing this when it submitted as a limited series originally was that the ending of the series even though it does end on a little tease that hey somebody's watching these women uh and maybe they know what they've done it still ended in a way where it was like this could very well be the end of something like this very well is the end of at least this arc and then seeing how they awkwardly continued that in season two uh, really kind of, to me, emphasized how well it worked better as a limited series, like how well it was positioned to be that as it originally existed, and then how poorly it was developed into what it became. Um, and then again, like the, the, the points that he keeps making in terms of Falcon and the Winter Soldier during the interview, which I found really interesting, uh, and it'll be even more interesting after Friday, is that he kept pointing to the fact that after you get to the finale, after you see the sixth episode, you're going to see the potential that we have to continue the story. And I was like, that is not a mentality that you take if you're going to end it. Like, that is not the the way that people phrased it when they talked about WandaVision. That's not the way they phrase it when they talk about limited series. And if you are going to kind of tease the idea that something's going to be left open like that, then one, you're kind of admitting that this isn't the end of this story. And Two, you seem to be implying that this specific story will continue, which is a key difference because, as we mentioned in the interview and as we always talk about, Marvel stories never end. Like, Marvel stories are just always going to be ongoing. You never know exactly where they're going to be picked up again or in what form, whether it's a movie or a show or just, you know, um, a cameo of some sorts or whatever it's going to be. Um, they are always going to continue. So in some way, shape, or form, everything that Marvel has done is ongoing and you could make the case that they all belong in series categories, whether it's drama or comedy or, or whatever, when you're talking about a TV show. Um, so maybe it's WandaVision. That's the one that would be committing category fraud if someone's committing category fraud, but uh, it is really a strain on these definitions. And the most important facet to me is that the audience knows what they're getting. Because if you're watching The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and you think all of these storylines have to be wrapped up in six episodes, it's going to be a much less satisfying experience than if you're like, oh, man, we're going to build this out for years. Like, I'm going to be able to kick back with Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the next five, six years, five, six seasons, uh, and really watch all of this get fleshed out. Uh, you could make the argument that Marvel is always saying we're just creating we're just starting strands and we'll pick them up because you have to watch all of our shit uh for the next five six seven millennia if you're gonna you know really appreciate the endings of these stories um but yeah it's just a weird transition into tv and again playing devil's advocate 
Uh, Mr. Moore was very emphatic that they are just learning the process of making good television in Marvel right now. They really didn't know what they were doing in terms of of, of kind of, I think he said the canvas that they had to work with or the, uh, you know, uh, the expanse that television created until they started doing it. Um, so, you know, we'll see. The I don't learning know. curve? This is my... Learning curve is steep. Right. <laughs> Learning curve uh, is steep, and I think the results show that out or bear that out. So, uh, I will say, well, one, Libby, you make a great point. The best comedy I think of 2019 was probably Succession, and it and it obviously won all the categories of drama. That that's just a good point. That like the gray the gray area between dra- what's a drama and what's a comedy is non-existent at this point. Um, but then there's also uh, at the risk of being too on the nose, too callous, and not that it's category fraud, but is doing something like this open up the potential for WandaVision and Falcon and Soldier, obviously not to compete against one another, but also the drama race is less stiff right now than the limited series race. And I mean, I'm sure Nate Moore and, and the people at Marvel have all the best intentions, but there's also probably someone behind the scenes going like, let's do this because it gives us a chance of getting more names in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, if you if you if you think you can make it work, uh, I would definitely suggest running your series as a drama series uh, as opposed to a limited series at this juncture. Um, uh, in limited series, you have Queen's Gambit, which has won legitimately every award out there, and uh, then all of these other very high prestige projects um that have already either already released or are about to be released, or it's it's a mess. And drama series. As the crown, uh, so you know there there there's some room there. For, winning winning um, would be tough. Winning would be tough, but getting nominated maybe not not so much. Exactly. Well, also, and keep I in think- mind that limited series have five slots. There's only five nominations for limited series. There's eight for drama series right. now. So the less competition and the more slots makes it a very attractive place to be running a show. I do think that uh, what you what you see in in moving the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to drama series is I think they are having conversations likely to talk about continuing that story. But also I think they had a lot of accidental, not accidental, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if inside Disney, they were a little surprised at how well the Mandalorian did at the Emmys last year. And if they have a sense that specifically drama series is soft, why not put another Um, kind of name title into the fray to see if they can break through like because as ben said there's eight slots like it can't hurt anything to to move something over there um and as far as these things go falcon and winter soldier looks much more like a continuing drama series than wandavision ever did so yeah, that's a lot of time we spent talking about that. But I, for one, am happy about it. Uh, I would watch a season two where it's Falcon uh, teaching Eli Bradley how to become a superhero, just like his grandfather. It's also, uh, I mean, honestly, just really quick to end this, I'm sorry. But like, it's worth noting that more and more networks are getting, they're hesitant to label their shows as the Emmys want them to be labeled because they want it to be seen as a success no matter what. So that way, if it's 
if it, you know, maybe if the ratings aren't as good or there's something that gets in the way of them making a season two, they can say, well, it was a limited series. We always meant it as a limited series, like blah, blah, blah. Like that was the, that's the upswing. And if there is success, then they can say, well, of course it's going to be a drama. Of course we were planning to continue it. Like there's no awkward transition here. Don't worry about it. Um, and they want to avoid the kind of situations that HBO got in with Big Little Lies where they had to, you know, really work to steer the the conversation into a new realm and to frame the show in a different way. So, um, and at the same time, I think audiences want the exact op- opposite. Audiences need to know what they're investing in as they're making the decision to invest in it. So uh, it'll be an interesting way to see how that, you know, knocks things out. I always think the Emmys help with those conversations uh, for the most part, even if it is, you know, <laughs> them getting it wrong uh so yeah we'll see how it how it continues develop moving on to the big talk uh everyone remember to wash your hands for this conversation about the mayor of east town it's ben's new favorite show the high i think he it got his highest accolade a b plus uh that's as high as <laughs> it's as high as ben can rank that's why ted lasso and mayor of east town both share it so yeah, it's the new HBO. Uh, it could be in the limited series talk, that crowded limited series uh, conversation we just had, yeah. uh, starring Kate Winslet as Mayor Sheehan, a detective in small town Pennsylvania who's trying to solve a murder. Uh, obviously, well, and a missing filled. person's case. She's got yeah, a couple and, things and, going on. And a missing person, and uh, her former teammate, who her brother, her brother is is a. Uh, a drug addict and they're trying to get that all figured i mean that i've only seen one episode you guys have seen more obviously there's a peeping tom in the backyard of that old lady that like, was that's spooky. gonna be a problem yeah that was spooky in the pilot Who knows what his deal is uh it's filled with a cast of people you know and love and also evan peters this is evan peters doing normcore <laughs> uh but gene Which smart I love. gene smart julianne nicholson david denman uh angry rice and of course guy pierce who is the killer, right? Has to be the killer, right? He has to be the killer, right? Hard to tell. Hard to tell right now. A lot going on. Uh, ben, were you on board when you when it was still uh, announced that Gavin O'Connor was going to direct all the episodes? Uh, I don't think it was ever announced that he was going to direct all, but I thought he was supposed to direct half, and that really okay. did pique my interest. I was like, hold on a second here. We've got the Wayback Writer. We've got Kate Winslet uh, as in her first executive producer role uh and we've got the man who directed warrior i mean how could this go wrong it literally could not uh and gavin you know sadly had to had to step down to just executive producer status but craig zobel's there to pick up the slack and my god you know we can't turn like home star runners home star runners own craig zobel well that's a yeah that's a choice uh it's also worth mentioning that uh evan peter's name in the show is colin zabel which I was just like, hold on a second here, Colin Zabel, Craig Zobel. This isn't. This can't be a. This can't be a coincidence. I should note, um, I have not seen Evan Peters yet. Only in the little teaser at the end of episode one, he's not in. Uh, he's not in the pilot. Spoiler for episode two: His name is Colin Zabel. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry to tip off everybody on that, but something to look forward to. Um, and to to be more specific, I was absolutely in the bag for this show. As soon as Kate Winslet came home, hobbled from a long day at work, sat down in her kitchen chair, 
started talking to her mom, Jean Smart, and her cousin, the priest of like, just who's over there making cocktails, I think. Uh, she throws her legs up on the table, reaches behind her into the fridge, pulls out a rolling rock, squeezes some cheese whiz into the cap, and just called it a day. And I was like, this is all I need. Like, this is this could be the whole show. This could be it, and it would be Removes perfect. the cheese whiz lid with her mouth, uh-huh. which I think is very underrated. Uh, I I will I'll 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 do Ben one better. Uh, I was all in on this show. In uh, there's a chase scene relatively early uh, in this first episode, and uh, it's not a very long chase scene. It's um it, it's a moderate chase scene, but Mare is winded uh, for a full. 45 seconds of like screen time afterwards like as the screen is progressing it's the most realistic thing i've ever seen and uh was just like this attention to detail and i think did so much at rounding out this character that was you know once this star athlete (laughs) um in this same town and now she's you know huffing and puffing in a foot uh a foot race and uh, I just felt very seen. And then I think we go almost, not directly, but very quickly into the scene that Ben just mentioned. And I was like, okay, I number one, I fully understand who this character is. Number two, I know a lot about this environment. Um, it's just a kind of a master class in, in, in very quick world building that goes beyond just stereotype, I think. It would be easier... Very easy for this to fall into like, oh, like working blue collar, working class, suburb, you know, it's 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 far more complicated than that. And um, while I'm not sure I, I I honestly I wasn't sure I was enjoying the show as much as Ben. And then they sent out the first five episodes. I, I watched the fifth episode and I was. Uh, I don't know that I've been as gripped by anything that I've seen this year. So um, now I'm all on board waiting for those last two episodes uh to be given access but i mean i think it's well worth people's time it it can get a little it has the same feelings as a lot of shows that are like and then there's a dead girl you know um which is uh, unfortunate but um there's more than enough to make up for that sort of grisly uh criminal minds cbs uh serialized drama thing the premise is definitely some well-worn territory and it's just how you tell it and and the acting in between that that will make it worth it yeah i I mean i gotta say like this is this is exactly it like the the best parts of the series are also the worst parts of the series in that uh you know i hate that we're watching another show uh, where the main thing is that a girl has been kidnapped and then a girl has been killed. It's just like, this is, I mean, it is in somewhat a reflection of society, sadly, but it is also just such well-worn territory that, you know, to, to keep witnessing these horrific crimes and thinking about them makes it very difficult to uh, talk about the show in the enjoyable terms that I often find it like, because it, like, as we were talking about before we started, recording this thing just pivots so hard from being the most fun i could possibly have on a sunday night to just horrendous things that are that are unbearable to think about for a long period of time 
Um, and the balance, the way that they've balanced them so far has been impressive. Like it's, it's just worked. They've just been able to do it, uh, even though it's nagging that the latter half exists. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely of a piece of the, the stuff we've been talking about all episode here, you know, a lot of the funniest shows on TV right now are actually dramas and, and it's takes a very deft touch to be able to kind of make the most of, of, of both sides of that. And we're extremely fortunate that uh, we're seeing so many creators who who seem to thrive in that. But also, I think there's also the matter that it's very hard to get anyone, and by that I mean me, to watch things that don't have that element of humor because it's so much. It, it It's so much to ask people to sit down and watch what could uncharitably be described as as uh, misery porn. Yeah. Um, it, it's just things are so hard right now. <laughs> and have been so hard for so long um i need laughs at some level especially if you're giving me a very difficult um story to swallow on its own i need you to help me with with humor or with uh insight or or i need something um which i'm going to be very interested to see if any of that shakes out at the Emmys, honestly, uh, I'm wondering if one of the reasons we might see Queen's Gambit do so well in limited series is because it's relatively light. It has all of the trappings of prestige television, but ultimately when it comes down to it, it is about chess. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to consume. It may not be as nutritious, but it's much easier to uh to sit down with on your couch and enjoy. Well, that's why the the last two episodes to be of Mare are going to be very important because as you mentioned, there is, I mean, there's, there's definitely comedy in this, but there's also just so many things that you really want to see. Like you really want to see Kate Winslet play a small town police detective. You really want to see her as like, uh, you know, a former basketball star who's really struggling to just keep shit together and maybe goes a little bit too far to the dark side from time to time. Like, these are just things where you're like, yeah, I want to watch Kate Winslet play that role, even though we've seen that role a million times. We will right. never have seen it the way that Kate Winslet is going to do it. And that right. in and of itself is a reward. The accents, which I've seen every opinion on in the world out there and have now reached a point where I am infuriated whenever someone claims that they're bad. Like whenever someone is like, this accent is atrocious. This doesn't make any sense. What are they doing? It's like, how many of you are from Delaware County and can actually say, oh, yeah, 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 they're not doing that right. Or that's ridiculous. Or nobody talks like that. These are a gift. Like these accents are an absolute gift like they give you something to talk about. They give you something to notice. They give the actors an additional challenge. They are something that adds like a huge level of entertainment of pure entertainment to a show that could have been swallowed by darkness and the fact that they keep adding to those with just every other aesthetic choice in the series from the costume to the environments to the framing of the shots like to the beer to the I beer. just wanted to have a so yingling and a rolling rock all throughout the episode you get past me one of those R&Rs uh, kick back with Kate you're gonna have a great Sunday night but like literally every one of those adds up to such huge entertainment value that it is it it's hard for me to you know purely talk about mare as a good time show because it's not a good time show but my memories of the first five episodes are absolutely going to be rooted in 
the good stuff, like none of the bad stuff, all of the fun entertainment, all of the like really solid choices that they made to engross you in this world and make you want to be a part of it, uh, even though it's often very dark and scary. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that when it comes to the Emmys and when it comes to how well Mayor may or may not do, whatever the takeaway is at the end of these seven episodes, uh, whatever feeling you're left with could play a huge part. As it usually does. That's not a revelation. <laughs> yeah, because like I will say that like watching some of them, I wasn't always like, yeah, this is a great time. Sometimes I was like, wow, every single person sucks. Like <laughs> every single person on this show fucking Even there. sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you get you get that in episode one. Well, no, you exactly. To, you don't have to wait it, long for Mare to be unlikable. I mean, Jean oh, yeah. Smart is never bad. She's always wonderful. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. 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 Anyway, yeah. Always. So I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. There are people who will not like this, and they're they're justified. There is plenty here that might uh, you know put you off and and uh you might be able to not um overcome it and i and i get it i i get that there are some barriers to entry but i think for most people um they will find something worthwhile in this in this series and i i also recommend it b plus all around b plus is all around Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation IndieWire. Theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of your talking about our TV and Willy Wonk in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brights and our publisher is James Israel and our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Brought to you by the Western Pennsylvania English on display in Mayor of Easttown. Millions of Screens endorses Miami English, which I spoke a fair bit of. It's sort of Spanglish. It's a lot of uh, like sandwich as opposed to sandwich with a G okay. instead of a D. Uh, Eastern New England English. That's you, buddy. That's Boston and Maine. And something I'm new to, but do enjoy from time to time, Californian. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy Millions that. of screens. Highly endorses spending some time with the Inland Northern dialect of English, of U.S. English, a.k.a. the Chicago accent. Yeah. That's what it's named on Wikipedia. Inland, Inland Northern. Northern. <laughs> So catchy. There's so, so catchy. many dialects. There's what a what a country we have. Youper. We should all take the dialect. We should all take the the. Oh yeah, Youper. That's so. That's that's northern Michigan. Yeah. Up by Canada. Uh yeah, we should all take the dialect. I love the dialect quiz. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens and Midwest Spitfire Ben T Travers and at Leo New York City. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave me and let us know what you think. This is Ben Living Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. (laughs) Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.